Welcome to the Accredited Canadians Toolkit, your source for what's new for accredited investors. I'm your host, Sam Perrin. Last episode, I discussed the Canadian economy and why so many economic commentators watch the United States so closely. The reason we watch the U.S. is because they are Canada's largest trading partner for both exports and imports. Over the next few episodes, I will share how the history of the U.S. has impacted Canadian investors and how we can draw on lessons from history to chart a course for the future. I am borrowing ideas from geopolitical strategist Peter Zion. Like most people, Peter is not infallible in all things, but I find him to be approximately correct in general on matters of the United States geopolitical position. I discovered Peter's body of work a couple years ago, and his presentations and newsletters are worth studying. I find a section on his website called Know Your World very interesting. Peter points out that in the not-so-distant past, we didn't trade goods, we traded bullets. And the most important bullets were actually traded at sea. The reason for this is because even in the middle of a large landmass, transportation before our modern road and railroad networks was dependent virtually entirely on navigable waterways. If you look at a map of the European settlement of Canada, you'll notice that the oldest major cities are all along the water. I was homeschooled for several years and my French-speaking mother had a keen interest in French-Canadian history, so I learned more about the exploits of early explorers than most people would. French-Canadian heroes like Jacques Cartier, Samuel Champlain, and the men known as les voyageurs were all masters of transportation on the water. It was les voyageurs who made the lucrative fur trade possible by transporting heavy bundles of fur with large canoes over long distances. Their trade networks followed navigable waterways of the Hudson Bay, the Great Lakes, and the St. Lawrence River, with men carrying everything between the waterways, including their cargo, provisions for the journey, and the large canoe boats in portage. Even in today's modern age, floating something from A to B is the cheapest way to get it around. Access to water and trade via waterways is so important that Part 10 of the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea gives landlocked countries a right of access to and from the sea without taxation of traffic through transit states. Since floating things is the cheapest way to move them, countries with the best access to navigable waterways have a big competitive advantage over others. According to Peter Zion's website, navigable waterways are defined as waterways with access to populated areas that are at least 9 feet deep for at least nine months of the year. Canada doesn't even make it on the list because our waterways freeze over, but the ranking of countries with the best internal access to navigable waterways are number 10, Saudi Arabia, zero miles. Number nine, Brazil, zero miles. The Amazon doesn't count because it doesn't flow through populated areas. Number eight, Russia, zero miles. The 2,500 miles of the Volga system are unusable during Russian winters, That's why it's got zero miles. Number seven, Turkey, 300 miles. Number six, Japan, 600 miles. Number five, France, 1,350 miles. Number four, Argentina, 1,900 miles. Number three, China, 1,950 miles. Number two, Germany, 2,400 miles. And taking up spot number one is the United States with more than 20,650 miles. So there you have it. Within the borders of the U.S., there's twice the amount of navigable waterways than the rest of the competition combined. And since floating things is the cheapest method of commerce, Americans have a massive competitive advantage thanks to their geography. They have exploited this unfair competitive advantage since formation, especially in World Wars I and II. While the world fought each other, the U.S. got very rich by loaning the fighting nations money and selling them ammunition, tanks, boats, and planes that they were able to build in massive quantities thanks to their unrivaled industrial output. Winston Churchill was in awe 
of the U.S.'s industrial might. And when the American isolationists finally agreed to join World War II, he said, I can't describe the feelings of relief with which I find the United States and Britain standing side by side, Churchill told the press. It is incredible. Thank God. Americans literally can't screw this up. Their competitive advantage cuts through agency bias, cults, populism, mass shootings, and all manner of idiocy that regularly makes the news. They cling to power, and over 20,000 miles of navigable waterways is the reason why. Tomorrow, we will explore the state of the world after World War II was won, including the formation of the United Nations, the World Bank, and how the Cold War with the USSR spurred global trade. Have a great rest of your day. Talk to you again tomorrow.